Now a certain, now a certain man, man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Amen. And let us pray. Oh, good and gracious God, as we gather here to worship, we meditate on your word once more for the week and for this hour. And as we think about what it meant to people in John's day, we also think about what it means for us here today. And as we deepen our discipleship through our meditation, we'd ask your Holy Spirit to, to strengthen us in our faith and to calm us in our spirit and to give us a sense of your purpose for our lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is there any more powerful statement in, in Scripture uh, than when that, that scene of when he says, Lazarus, come out? Uh, it's interesting. That's only in John's gospel. We don't have the story of Lazarus in any of the other gospels. It's, it's only in John's gospel that records this miracle. It was a miracle that was um, maybe in, in John's day, they wouldn't have uh, balked at that or, or thought anything of it. 
but they also would have been able to see it uh, metaphorically at the same time. So they could look at it both ways as something that ha- happened in Jesus' day, but also say, what does it mean for us and what does this idea mean for us? And uh, John often speaks in that way when he has, talks about signs and wonders. Uh, these were, in a sense, uh, signs of God's reign on earth. And we see that through Jesus' ministry in this story today. Uh, I think it's a powerful, powerful word for us to hear. And uh, it makes me wonder, where in my life is Jesus saying to me, uh, Sam, come out? And it's it's curious as we look at that. I listened to uh, one of the StoryCorps uh, stories from NPR. I don't know if you ever hear those, but uh, they can be powerful at times. There was one about uh, Dennis and Beulah Apple, and uh, they were from uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and they were talking about something that happened 20 years ago in their life, and it was the death of their, their young son, Denny, who was only 18 at the time. And at the time when that happened, they said that he had mono, and he'd taken some medicine, and he went to sleep on the couch, which is a little bit unusual for him, but he fell asleep there. And when they went to check on him the next day, they, they couldn't find a pulse. Uh, Dennis's younger brother, who's an EMT, uh, Denny's uncle, came out and listened to him, and he said, I'm sorry, he's gone. And Denny said, I just fell on the floor. And he said, I just prayed out. He said, God, why is this happening to me? This can't be happening to me. This is not supposed to be happening what a terrible shock to them in their lives. That, you know, they, they said when we were coming back from the funeral, we were in such grief and such despair that when they pulled into the garage, uh, Dennis was saying to his wife, Beulah, he said, you know, will you just close the garage door and leave the car running and uh, hold hands and just, just drift off? That's how, that's how deep their despair was at that time in their lives. And she, she said, but what about our other son, Andy? He needs us. He needs us. And they got out and they continued to live their lives. And Beulah said that uh, it was a difficult time for them to get through. And Dennis agreed because he said that people are well-meaning <laughs> when you're grieving like that. But sometimes they say things that are offensive. Have you ever experienced that in your grief? It's, it's happened sometimes. He said that sometimes people would come and tell him about their own near-death experiences of something that happened, and they said, but my guardian angel was there and, <laughs> and stepped in, and, and I was saved. And he said, oh, that was not a word of kindness to him at that time. Uh, it was not a word of peace. And in those moments, in our deep despair, it almost seems as if death is more real to us than God. And that's a part of our human condition. It's a part of who we are. And in a sense, Jesus comes to us even in these times and can roll away the stone and say, Dennis and Beulah, Come out. Come out. Beulah said that it was um, after about five years, 
She said, am I going to go along in my heavy grief or am I going to try to be happy? And that's where they landed, that they're going to try to embrace life. They said to one another, uh, this is after 20 years, you know, they thought about all the heaviness that they experienced at that time. And they said, well, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it? You know, would you have had Denny and, and this kind of thing? And would we have experienced that even with this great loss? And they looked at each other, absolutely. Every time, a million times, we'd do it a million times over. And that's the place where we can all, in a sense, be unbound and, and come out. As we think about the Gospel of John, it's such an interesting passage. You have the sisters Mary and Martha, and uh, I love the grief that they experience in this and how, what they just bear their soul to Jesus. And they say to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, our brother would not have died. And they both say it. So it's, it's, uh, you see that this is likely something that they'd been talking about together before Jesus arrived, you know, because they sent word, you know, that surely he'll come. And then when he failed to come uh, and, and their brother died, they must have said that to one another. Well, if he'd have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And the anger that comes out in that is palpable. And we see that and we sense that in our own grief. When we have a loved one died, die, it may be that we say that to God. God, where are you in this? Where are you? Why have you abandoned us? Why are you letting these things happen? It's interesting when Jesus has this response of who he is. Uh, John has the I am statements in the gospel. And there's seven of them. And we have here today where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so in a sense, this is present for the story of that day. But it's also present for the Christian community throughout the ages. And what that means for us, I am the resurrection and the life. Of course, uh, the I am statements refer to the, the name of God uh, that Moses, you know, discovered in the burning bush where God says, I am, uh, or I am who I am. I am becoming who I am becoming. So the I am statements are a, kind of a, a sense of who God is. And for John, it's reminding us who Jesus is. And, and this allows us to say, who would God be if God were to walk among us? And we can look to the life of Jesus and we can say, this represents who God is walking uh, here among us in our life. It's kind of a, a sense of about God's identity among us, and it, it talks to who we are as Christians, as followers. So I think for us, uh, you know, and I love this, the video that we had and, you know, the idea of, uh, do you believe? Uh, do you believe this? Uh, do you believe it? Because that's, that's the real question for us in our faith. And, and on our better days, we do. <laughs> and we say, yes, I do believe. There are days when we think, I don't know, death seems more real than God today. Or these other things, that my anxieties seem more real than God today. Or my fears seem more real than God today. And those are very, that's part of the human condition that all of us experience. And the important thing is that we come together as the people of God, as the people of faith, and it strengthens us of who we are in Christ. 
And so we, we do. It's important for us to gather together as the people of God. Sometimes we ask this about the church. We look back and we think um, when the church was, was bigger in places, as I go around and see, and, and we say, you know, Jesus, if you'd have only been here, a church wouldn't, wouldn't be in this kind of situation today. And that occurs to me, certainly, as I go around uh, and I see uh, talks about disaffiliation in our church, and maybe you've seen it in the news and things like that. And as I confront churches and, and as I uh, talk to them about that, and the sense of uh, division is so real in these places that division is more real than God. And I, my, my spirit is low at those times. And I, I wonder, you know, Jesus, <laughs> if you'd only been here, this division wouldn't be happening. And yet I can come to a place of worship when I hear beautiful music express the love and grace of God. And it's as if God is, is pulling at me and tugging at me and saying, Sam, come out. And in a way, God is also saying, church, come out, come out. What does it mean when, when death is more real than God? There's a story of, uh, I think it's a peace symposium in New York, and there was a, this is sometime after the, the Vietnam War uh, had ended, and they had a Buddhist monk come, and this particular monk told a story about the war, and he said there was a family, it was a uh, husband and a wife and their small son, and the wife died, uh, in the war, uh, something had happened, and, and so uh, it was tough times in their village, and the father had to, to get work to feed his son and feed himself. He had to go farther and farther away from the village to find work, and he'd come back. He'd leave his son with neighbors and things like that, but he did his best. And one day he came back from working from a long way off, and he came back and found that the village had been destroyed, and it was just rubble. And he looked for his son, and he looked through the rubble, and all he could find was was little bones that he was sure that that was his son. And he wrapped them in cloth and he carried them around from place to place and he stayed in his heavy grief. And one night, there was a knocking at his door. And it, his son was there. And he said, Father, the kidnappers finally let me go, and I've been searching and searching for you, and I finally found you. I'm your son. Let me come in. And the father responded, Go away. You are a fake and an imposter. What a cruel thing to do to me. And the knocking continued. But after a while, it stopped. And the son had given up and gone away. It's as if he was trying to roll away his father's stone. But his father kept it in place and would not allow the truth to be revealed. 
and he held on to his idea of death and it became stronger for him than life. And I think about the church and I think about how often do we do that? Do we hold on to the bones of the past as if that is somehow our salvation? Rather than stay in our heavy grief, sometimes we have to set it aside and make a decision to set it aside and pursue life in Jesus Christ. We have to realize and remember Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. There's a woman named Marie, and she had also lost her son. Uh, this was to an overdose. He was, a, he was an addict, and Marie was devastated. He's only 17 years old, and she was also in heavy grief. And uh, there was a Christian woman in her church that came to her, and, and she uh, was an older woman that had also experienced grief, and she counseled her and loved her through it. And finally, she felt like it was a time to say this and come to a place where she said, um, Marie, you just have to trust in the Lord and you have, to, you have to give your grief to the Lord and ask God what, what he wants you to do with it. And because of their relationship, she's able to accept that and, and because of the love she poured out to her, she was able to see that and, and she tried to do that and she tried to give over her grief to God. And she found God leading her to a halfway house and it was one for people dealing with addiction. And Marie began to uh, work and pour self into those young people who were also addicted and would come to that halfway house. And she began to minister to them and love them and care for them as if they were her own children. Now she has a bulletin board with over 100 pictures of young people, some her, her son's age, of how old he would be. And as she looks at all those pictures, just about all of them call her mom. And it's as if Marie is shouting at each of them, Lazarus, come out. Before she could get to that place, she had to have someone love, love her and care for her and roll away her own stone. I'd like to conclude with a prayer. And uh, this prayer is by, uh, written by William Penn in the early 18th century. And I really like what it says. And I invite you to hear this as we pray together. We give them back to you, dear Lord, who gave them to us. Yet as you did not lose them in giving, so we have not lost them by their return. What you gave, you haven't taken away, O lover of souls. For what is yours is ours also, if we are yours. And life is eternal, and love is immortal, and death is only a horizon, and a horizon is nothing save the limit of our sight. Lift us up, strong Son of God, that we may see further.
Cleanse our eyes that we may see more clearly and draw us closer to you that we may know ourselves to be nearer to our loved ones who are with you. And while you do prepare for us, prepare us also for that happy place that where they are and you are, we too may be forevermore. Amen.